Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of our unfinished podcast. This is me, Pastor Don, doing our regular series of what I'm coming to call Monday Musings. It's where I come to you on our Monday morning, uh, at least here in Japan, and talk about a topic that's been you know, resting on my heart for a little bit, something I think that is important for our community to think about a little bit. And not just our community, but maybe people who are listening that are part of our community might benefit from this as well. At least, I hope. Uh, I'm, And I pray that you know, God might work through me and through all of us to have some kind of impact on our world. So what I wanted to talk to you guys about today uh, is the idea of social contracts and uh, what's called the paradox of tolerance. Um, now, given everything that's been going on in America, that like the, the book bannings and all the crazy stuff like there, uh, the idea of tolerance is, has been on my heart, as it has been periodically with America for the last couple of decades. Uh, it's been on my heart a lot this week, uh, particularly because I am a big believer in um, you know, the, the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven being very much like that Star Trek utopia, a pinnacle of, of tolerance and openness and acceptance. Um, I have been known to use that famed Vulcan phrase, infinite diversity and infinite combinations, as uh, <laughs> a description of what God's ideal community looks like. So when we talk about tolerance, like, my instinct is to say, initially, the more, the better. Like, we got to be tolerant of everything. And, you know, the Bible backs us up. Being tolerant and accepting of other people's views and opinions, it's a key component of our Christian faith. Um, in the book of Acts, for example, Peter says right off the bat, he says, God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. And in the book of Matthew, we get that famous line, do not judge so that you may not be judged. Uh, book of Hebrews, we get pursue peace with everyone and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. It's central to who we are, this idea of don't be judgmental, uh, peace with everybody, uh, you're all good. That's kind of who we are. We want best to, to be a, a tolerant uh, society that we are contributing to, that we're a part of. We want to be a people who are tolerant and understanding. We want to pitch that big tent. And so, of course, the one thing that we're always afraid of is being intolerant. We don't want to tell anyone that they're wrong because, I mean, who are we to judge? We, we read that passage from Matthew 7. We know what's up. But when we go too far that direction, we, uh, we run afoul of what's called the paradox of tolerance. And the paradox of tolerance is a real thing. And in general, what it means is that if we want to have a truly tolerant and accepting society, then we must, by definition, be intolerant of intolerance. Otherwise, the whole system just collapses on itself. The intolerance grows like a cancer. whole society collapses. And then we're left with a fundamentally intolerant society. Basically, when tolerance exceeds its given limits and goes into an excess, it begins to actually breed intolerance instead, which sucks because going more and more, going big on your tolerance, it sounds like the right thing to do. But in practice, it winds up being anything but. Now, 
within church communities, uh, particularly church communities that are broadly ecumenical, interdenominational, things like that, this idea can take an even more problematic shape. Because uh, you see, church communities are formed very specifically as the result of what we call a social contract. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar, a social contract is kind of like a shared culture and ideology in a way. Uh, in a legal or governmental sense, the term social contract is defined as an implicit agreement among the members of a society to cooperate for social benefits, for example, by sacrificing some individual freedom for state protection. Now, within a religious community, of course, we're not dealing with uh, the arm of the state, at least not anymore. That <laughs> Go back a couple hundred years, it's a different story, but today we're not. Uh, but within a religious community, we can broaden the idea uh, to say something that our, our social contract for us is more like an agreement among the members of our community to cooperate for social and spiritual benefit by sacrificing individual benefit in favor of adherence to a shared system's of beliefs and practices. That seems pretty reasonable, right? I mean, we start with a shared system of beliefs and practices. And for Christians, this is pretty well ensconced in the Apostles' Creed. I mean, the Apostles' Creed, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, one, how did you wind up on a Christian podcast? God, I would love to hear that story. Please let me know. Uh, but hey, here it is anyway. The Apostles' Creed is that one statement of belief that Pretty much every group that even pretends to call itself Christian considers a foundational statement. It is what we all believe throughout the church universal. And if you're not buying into this, then whatever you're buying into, it isn't Christianity. Uh, and we could take it apart forever. I, there have been books written for ages about what the Apostles' Creed is saying. But the core points are basically God is the creator, uh, or the father, if you're feeling like gendering God, which I definitely don't. Uh, Jesus Christ is God's Son, our Lord. Uh, Jesus is both divine and human, uh, conceived by the Spirit, born, suffered, and died like a human. Uh, Jesus was resurrected. The church is a good thing. Communion is fundamental. Forgiveness is necessary. And death isn't the end. That's the core, like the, the really rough core of what's going on in that. Without getting into further discussion on it beyond that, that that's it. That's when we sign up for being part of a Christian community, that's what we're signing up for. That is our social contract. Now, that contract may get more specific depending on how specific your particular community, your particular flavor of Christianity is. Uh, many Pentecostals, for example, tend to have a social contract that focuses more on speaking in tongues as a regular and necessary spiritual and worship practice. This is something that isn't shared by a majority of other Christian communities, but hey, that's part of their social contract. Protestant communities uh, tend to hold to the necessity, the absolute vitality of a democratic rule within the body of Christ. The importance of stewarding God's community and God's work in the world through the shared mandate of the body and active participation together. Uh, I'm a Protestant myself. I think it's a great thing. Uh, and not just because I was up until 5 a.m. last night attending a classes meeting. Um, Evangelicals, for another example, uh, they tend to center their social contract around the work of the Holy Spirit specifically and the individual spiritual experiences and personal piety of the members. And well, I definitely have my criticisms about how that works as a biblical or functional structure. It does, at least on a, on a broadly global sense, seem to work 
for them. Uh, American evangelicals, on the other hand, particularly tend to center their social contract around the charisma of their leaders, the formation of a cult of personality, uh, usually at the expense of those religious elements of the social contract. Uh, good example of this, if you've ever checked out the Instagram uh, channel Preachers and Sneakers, you'll get a good idea what I'm talking about there, that kind of hypocrisy. And I'll talk more about how that can form later. But regardless of uh, what or how specific your church community's individual social contract is, it's still, if it's a Christian community, supposed to be centered around those core beliefs I mentioned a, a minute ago. So what actually happens then? when we start cracking that door wider? What, what happens when we start inviting a little variation, not just on you know, non-essential or academic positions like Jesus' chromosomal identity, which, oh boy, that's a whole other podcast discussion we could get into later. But what happens when we open it up on these contract essentials, like the divinity of Jesus? Well, what happens is you start to lose your guidepost. Now that you've begun to surrender the adherence to the social contract, uh, the adherence to any shared definition of what right and wrong are, goes out the window. I mean, if the core of your social contract is now an agree to disagree thing, then what isn't agree to disagree? Um, it's the exact same function as the paradox of tolerance. You start allowing for too much, and the social contract of the community falls apart. And, look... I'm sad to say this is a thing that happens in church communities all the time. And even worse, when this happens, it's all too often done not as a legitimate but really misguided attempt to truly open the community to greater diversity of opinion, but it's often done as a way to distract from corrupt leaders who are quietly changing the terms of a community's social contract. Now, as I said, when this starts to come unraveled, the community loses its way to clearly define right from wrong and to establish a shared identity as a community. Now, if the core tenets of the faith, the Bible, all of these are up for grabs, well, what are we even doing anymore? What, what isn't up for debate? How do we know who's in charge? How do we know what God's really saying? It becomes entirely subjective. Uh, and when that happens, confusion blooms. The whole community becomes this muddy mess of differing ideas and opinions that aren't united by anything. Voices get loud and nothing is ever resolved. And in the midst of this mess, that's when those corrupt leaders step up with the, the altruistic sounding idea of, well, if you can't agree, just follow me. Notice the focus shift there. The focus shifts from a community united in a shared Christian identity, a community united in adherence to the core tenets of the Apostles' Creed, to a specific set of beliefs and practices. And it shifts to a community that's committed to a full and unrestricted diversity of opinion, but is united by a shared submission to a particular leader or leaders. It's subtle, but all of a sudden, it's not about Jesus anymore. When people want to exercise control over a church community, when they want to take the spotlight off of Jesus and place it onto themselves, they want to hold in their own hands the power to establish what is right and wrong without resorting to God as a fundamental bedrock. They do it in ways that seem rational. 
They do it by encouraging discussion, by encouraging diversity of opinion, by finding those cracks of division and encouraging more discourse, more debate, more discussion, letting everyone's idea be heard and then heard again and then questioned and then heard some more. All of these things which are in moderation wonderful bedrock foundational elements of a good, healthy community, but which when, which when employed in such excess, they become lethal. Oh, man. This is a tough one. It's really a tough one because it's one of those places where doing the right thing and doing the wrong thing both can lead to severe abuses if taken too far. If we choose to enforce the social contract, but we do it at a hyper-specific level, this is how we've gotten a lot of the problems historically with the church over centuries. Uh, when we attempt to enforce positions in favor of things like capitalism or positions supporting discrimination or bigotry or hatred or war, all these positions that are fundamentally antichrist, but we enforce them because our leaders are insisting that their prejudices and positions are now part of the social contract. And they use that force to restrict the social contract. We do that, we hurt people. History tells us this. We've done it for centuries as a church universal. But when we do the opposite, when we throw open the doors, when we chuck that social contract entirely out the window, when we start debating whether it's important to think of Jesus as divine or not, when we start thinking we're better off following some leader and letting all the Jesus stuff be up for debate, we run into the same problem. Because we put it now in, in human hands. We put the whole function of the church in human hands and we're not leaving it up to God anymore. I don't have an easy answer on this one. I kind of wish I did. Um, this is one of those things that's up to us to keep our eyes out for, to keep our eyes on, uh, to know what we're looking at in our church communities, to be active, and to call it out when we stop adhering to the Bible and start debating the Bible, when we start following people and reading about Jesus instead of following Jesus and learning about people. We got to pay attention in all of our communities and hold ourselves to our social contract to be part of a united church community, even when that means telling our leaders that they're wrong, telling other people that, hey, this is our belief. This is what we think. This is what it means to be part of our community. That's being firm and compassionate, being kind with strong boundaries, being loving but holding the line, that balance is what we need to look for. So with that in mind, I want to close out today's uh, podcast with a reading of the Apostles' Creed um, because I think it's something... I want us all to think about in the coming week, to hold in our hearts and remember that when we come together as a church community, this is what's at the center of it. So I'm going to read that now, and I want you to listen along with me and maybe spend some time this week thinking it over. I believe in God, the almighty creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, and born of the Virgin Mary, he suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. 
On the third day, he rose again and he ascended into heaven and he's seated at the right hand of God Almighty. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So, with that, I think we're going to call an end to today's uh, podcasting. That's the end of what we got for this week. Um, this is going to be a thing I'm going to keep doing for a while, at least until we figure out how to get more uh, video content going, until we get over our technical issues. Uh, dropped a big one on you guys this week, but I want to invite you to our Discord server, which is where we are having that healthy and above all moderated debate and discussion that is actually a good part of a healthy and functioning community. That Discord server is a 24-7 place where we are in discussion, where we're learning from each other. Right now, we're just uh, in the middle of a conversation about how to form our first open and affirming statement. And I want to invite any of you who are listening to this to get into that conversation. We want to hear how to, how to affirm you and your experience in the world and as part of the church. But no matter what you're up to this week, I just want you to know uh, that I'm thinking about you that I'm praying for you and that God is with you too this week. Take care.